This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. How are you? How, is, how are you doing? How is everything? These are rhetorical questions. I don't really expect 45 answers. But they are a way that we start conversations with just about anybody. You walk through the back door and you say, hi, how are you? You can start conversations like this, um, even with perfect strangers. Uh, you say, hello, how are you? Most common answer to this is, I am well, or it is good, or everything's fine. But what if we were to add a word to that question and add the word really? How are you really? Would we uh, learn secrets that people tend to want to keep hidden? Uh, people often try to put up a false front, a phony image. Everything's fine. I'm okay. But there's good and bad that happens in everybody's life. And the person you're talking to might be going through some of the bad at that time. So today, I would like to talk a little bit about God takes care of us. I thought maybe I would try to tell you a story of my own, how God has taken care of me throughout my life. But there's just too many of them. There's uh, car accidents and motorcycle accidents and animal accidents. And one time, Sharon and I even had a close encounter with the bear. But we were taken care of. God took care of us. And uh, I know each of you have your own unique stories, maybe health issues, or uh, maybe fire or tornado. We've all had our share of hardships. That's just a simple fact. We uh, have all experienced trials and tribulations. There are good and bad times for everybody. So when I pose the question to you, how are you really? Maybe you're hiding some dark secret. Or maybe you're experiencing ecstatic joy. But rather than list all those details, we just say, oh, I am fine. Everything's okay. So this morning I am going to tell you a story. It's not my story. The story comes to us from 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, and it takes up most of the chapter, but I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you. I'll give you the condensed version, I guess you could say. The story goes something like this, and please check this, read it on your own, and correct me because I may get things wrong, but the story goes like this. Elisha was a prophet, 
a famous man of God, and he would travel from one place to another, spreading the word, God's word, and he would teach those. And on occasion, he would pass through the town of Shunem. Living in that town of Shunem, there was a wealthy man and his wife. And when he would come through town, they would uh, say to him, come and have a meal with us, come eat with us. And he would. He, they wanted him to mainly uh, take a break, if you will. So they would say, come and eat with us and, and rest a spell. And he would. And this, this happened many times. And so one day the woman says to the man, the husband, you know, as often as he's our guest, we ought to build him his own room. And so they do. They build him a room, and uh, naturally, he's overcome with gratitude. And he tells his servant, uh, bring this Shunammite woman to me, and I'll, I'm going to speak to her a little bit. And so we're going to jump down to verse 13. And he's talking to his servant at this point. And he says unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care, what is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answers, I dwell among my own people. In modern language, this would basically be her saying, I don't need anything. I, uh, I'm a simple person. I have all that I need. I want to just stay right here where I'm at. Well, Elisha, he continues to feel like he wants to do something for this woman and her husband. And so he asks his servant, well, what, the, what does she need? And the servant tells him, well, she has no child, and her husband is old. So Elisha uh, calls the woman in again, and he has this to say to her. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my lord, thou man of God, do not lie to thy hand, unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. I consulted several different versions, and all of the versions I examined did not give me an indication of the woman's age. I'm guessing she was similar age as her husband. And this is not the first time that elderly couple was promised a son or promised a child. The story continues. Uh, and the woman did have a child. She had a son, but as is common in everyday life, the good times don't last forever. Time passed, and the child grew. He wasn't completely grown. He was still young, but he's not a toddler anymore. But this is where the story turns tragic. 
in the 18th verse, we read, And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, uh, Carry him home to his mother. Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. Again, I don't have all the details, but one of the commentaries I used as a reference put forth for the idea that uh, this young man had some kind of a heat stroke. But whatever the case, he, he died sitting there on his mom's lap. This, mom, this woman takes him and lays him on Elisha's bed. And then she goes to talk to her husband. In the 22nd verse. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither a new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. The woman doesn't even take the time to tell her husband what's going on. She, he says, why are you going there today? It's not a holiday or a special day or anything. And she just simply says, it shall be well. I would be incorrect if I said I could truly know what is going on in this woman's mind at this time. I suppose that you could say She's experiencing the darkest moment in her life and is putting forth a false front, saying everything is fine, everything will be okay. But in reality, her um, belief in God is allowing her to say, God will take care of it, it shall be well. The story continues. In the 24th verse, then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Continuing in verse 26, run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answers, it is well. And then, when she came near to the man of God, uh, to the hill, she caught him by the feet. Gehazi came near to thrust her away, and the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. I get the impression 
that when she's conversing with the servant, she doesn't want to tell him all of her troubles, so she just says, it is well. But then when she reaches Elisha, she's overcome with grief, and she falls down at his feet. As the chapter goes on, um, as the story goes on, she tells Elisha, I'm not going back unless you come with me, you know, and so they go. Elisha sends his servant on ahead and says, give me a report. And the servant comes back and says, the child is dead. Well, they arrive and um, Elisha takes, goes into the room with the child and closes the door and prays to the Lord repeatedly. And the child comes back to life. The child awakens. And so naturally, that's a happy ending for them. They reunite the child and his mother, and everything's fine. Everything is truly fine at that point. I'm about to drop all of my papers. They're wanting to slide off the thing. Elisha asked this woman a very simple question. It's a, it's a common question. How are you? How is everything? How is your husband and child? We do it every day. In our common life, it, it, we do it so often that <clears throat> we almost have a pre-programmed response. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing well. Everything's fine. But in actuality, it's very possible that the person sitting next to you at this time is going through some kind of trouble or trial or uh, some period of grief, something that they are concealing. And they don't want to burden you with it. So they say, I'm fine. Everything's okay. I do this to my mom every time she calls and she says, how are you? I'm fine. And she'll throw in that really every now and then. No, how are you really? But she usually gets it out of me, however I am. <clears throat> I can't even imagine the grief that this woman was going through at the loss of her child. But she still had the belief that God would take care of it, that everything will be okay. There was a man, <clears throat> he lived in the 1800s. Uh, he lived from 1828 to 1888, I think. And he was a lawyer. And also he had a lot of real estate holdings. This all occurred in the city of Chicago. Then uh, he had, uh, there was a great fire of Chicago. He lost everything. Uh, all of his real estate holdings, everything burned up. And so um, he decides, well, I'm going to make a clean break of it. This was a religious man, and he had news of one of his friends in England was going to be holding a gospel meeting. So he made plans to attend this. Him and his wife and his four daughters 
we're going to take a boat passage across the Atlantic to go hear his friend speak. At that point, he had some business demands arise, which prohibited him, uh, made it impossible for him to go on the trip with them. (coughs) So uh, he sent them on ahead. And on the journey, the ship that they were on struck another boat, and it sank, and 221 people died, including the four daughters. And so uh, later, uh, he took another, he took a journey himself to meet up with his wife, and he's naturally sad because he's lost most of his family. And when he's crossing that point in the, uh, in the Atlantic Ocean, the captain tells him, hey, this is about the spot where your, uh, the ship your wife was on went down. And so this man went down into his cabin and he wrote a song. You might recognize that song. That song went, when peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. The man was named Horatio Spafford. And he is the author of that song. And even at the time in his life when things were as dark as could be, He had lost his fortune. He lost most of his family. He was able to say, it is well with my soul. I think there's a powerful message in that song that Mr. Spafford was saying, whatever happens to him, whether it's peaceful, uh, like a smooth, gentle flowing river, uh, or whether it's the turmoil of a billowing sea, whatever the lot, whatever he has happened to him, because of his belief in God, he can say, it is well with my soul. God does take care of us. So what about the dark times that we experience? Whatever they may be. You may have an addiction problem You may have financial troubles. You may have marital issues. And then maybe you'll put up a false front and say, everything's fine. I'm okay. Is that the best way to handle that, though? To struggle with it on our own? Or do we rely on God to be our helper and take care of us so that we can truly say, It is well. Everything's going to be okay. How do we get from that point uh, where we say it is well and it's phony front, it's false? How do we get from that phony front point to a point where we can genuinely say everything's okay, it will be all right? Well, you, you, you... Go to a point to where you can truly say, 
Yes, I have struggles, but God is my helper, and he will take care of me. We can start in Matthew, the sixth chapter, and verse 25 and 26. We read, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body. What ye shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, they, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? And perhaps the next step in going from these false fronts and saying, pretending everything's okay, to being able to say, God is my helper, all is well, is we have to come to Christ. Matthew 11, 28, verse 28, and a couple more after that, we read, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus is not saying, if you're a Christian, everything's going to be a bed of roses. It's going to be a walk in the park. He's not saying that. What he's saying, life is rough sometimes. And we're going to have hardships. And there are evils. Satan will continuously try to come after you and prevent you from following Christ. But when we get to heaven, we will have rest. We will have eternal peace. Another way that we could go from that phony front display uh, to a genuine all is well is to rely on one another. We all have problems and we have to help each other. Brandon said it not long ago. There are people in this conversation who have been through Whatever's bothering you. If you're struggling with something, chances are there's someone here who has been through it. And we can help you. Let's take a look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one uh, in spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This afternoon, I'm going to close with a very familiar passage. We're going to look at Psalms, the 23rd chapter. It's the Psalm of David. Some of you probably know it by heart, but it goes, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know what this is? You remember the, the quote from the song? Thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. That's what this is. This is God teaching us to rely on him. He is there through the best of times and through the worst of times. And we fear no evil. He will take care of you. So this afternoon, I ask you again, uh, how are you really? Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.